Today, I am joined by Virgie Van Horst, entrepreneur, branding specialist, and owner of Bomb Hoagie in Simi Valley, California. She's had a remarkable journey in the business world with great stories and advice to share. From cold calling talent agents as a 13-year-old that led to her booking a national commercial to saving a restaurant during the pandemic, her story is motivating, inspiring, and a true example of putting in the work and trusting the process. Hey, Percy, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule <laughs> to join me to, this morning uh, from your shop, which looked really cool, uh, Bomb Hoagie in uh, Simi Valley, California. You know, we've been connected on LinkedIn. I've, you know, we've, we've crossed paths, but I thought your story seemed very interesting to me because this wasn't a traditional background for you. You sort of saved this, this restaurant and I thought the story just going back and forth on, on messaging seemed uh, really interesting and fascinating to, to myself and I thought would be to listeners as well. So I typically on this you know podcast like to get started with your story before the restaurant and, and what led you to a, a, you know, what drew you to entrepreneurship and, and branding in the first place. Okay. Um, hi, thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm, I'm super honored to be here. Okay, so I don't know how far you want to go back. Um, you want to go back to 97 when it all started? <laughs> <laughs> when you were born, yes. yes. No, no. Yeah. Okay, yeah, exactly. When I was born, you're too kind. So yeah, I guess um, back in 97, I, with my partner, we decided he called me one day and said, I'm quitting my job. You know, it's funny how on on LinkedIn, everyone always talks about how the beginning of their transition to entrepreneurship really led with them, you know, a big shift, you know, something happening or like quitting a job or getting fired from a job. I was actually, we were just both tired. And my partner was like, I am going to build a server. And at that time in 97, I was like, a server, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna build a a, like a waiter. <laughs> like I did not, I did not understand what he meant. I didn't even understand computers at that time. It was very new. So it started back then we jumped all in and, uh, we got home. I said, okay, so what's my part in this? And I had a big stack of books. And back then it was before like any type of graphic design programs. It was like really just, you just needed buttons and stuff. So he pushed a button on a computer and it started. And I remember it opened up and that's it. That's all she wrote. I, I got so into just building graphics and building pages and understanding bandwidth. And that led us to building an ISP. We moved to Oregon and we never really unpacked. We always kept moving wherever the business brought us. It was between Oregon and Vegas. And we just followed our passions. Uh, my partner and I, which is my, my husband, he's a musician. I'm, I'm an actress. We met, you know, when we were 18 and we had this dream to like be able to live the life that we wanted on our own terms. And then, you know, reality hit and then, you know, you got to get a job and you got to do what you got to do to survive. And, you know, we didn't come from a lot, you know, my background, you know, my family is a single mom, you know, very poor. So for me, I've always been trying to get to a safe place. Yeah, I think that's just what we've always done. We've had a lot of really good early successes. We built our first IP, then it turned into a very large free host that we ended up selling in 2004. Then we went into the financial markets, which is 
interesting because we don't really have a financial background, but my, my partner had a, um, his brother was in Forex at that time. So I was like, Hey, I build graphics. I, I can do this. I can do the marketing. And we got really vested into Google AdWords. And basically we just loved, um, startups. We love building businesses. I love building the brands and the, the IPs behind it and the intellectual properties like products and services. We scaled a Forex business with training. And we started with training and then we molded that into a, um, an education course that molded into more of a managed course. And so it was just like the evolution of like how you actually bring people in through educating them. And then once you educate them, how you take that to the next level. So we got really good at building businesses. And, and, and then, so this is like 2005, six, no, 2007 took us all around the world. We were in, Dubai. I was in Brazil. I lived in Slovenia for like a month working with programmers for a single serve, uh, signal service that was automated because we built something called the automated trade robot. So yeah, like how did I end up with a restaurant? <laughs> <laughs> like it's really, so yeah. then, then I'm in Slovenia and then, and then I, before that we bought property, bought a house, bought two cars, parked them in a garage, thought we'd come back. And we did come back about seven months later and the market crashed mm. like everything we we were hemorrhaging um a lot of money because the all our systems just tanked everything and we were just trying to hold on to it you know and we built something big we were doing really well and the last thing we wanted to do is admit that it was it was crashing and 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 we had to let go and letting go was really really hard to do at that time i came back and my property was you know underwater and my business was gone and and I was we were really struggling. So at that time, we we failed. Technically, we had to regroup and figure out what to do. And so we thought, OK, so we need to develop a green business. And we sat there racking our heads and we're like, OK, green, what's green? And I'm like, like, like environmentally green. Like, <laughs> no, green as in the, the fact that it's always going to be needed. It's something that that no matter what the time is or what's going on with the economy, it's something that everybody will always need. You know, not everybody always needed Internet marketing and that type of stuff. It got harder to sell websites and Internet marketing as time went on. I used to get paid like, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars for a website. And then, you know, as it got simpler and easier, it got cheaper, but it also got simple and easier, which meant you can do more. So, but there is a transition, you know, being an entrepreneur, I think a lot of people, and because your show is about entrepreneurs, I mean, a lot of people think it's like, yeah, I'm gonna be an entrepreneur, I'm gonna make all this money. And I don't think being an entrepreneur, if you get into a business and you have somebody funding it and you have a great success with it, that's, that's just building a business. Great, you're an entrepreneur. But what I, I really believe that entrepreneurs are not born. I believe that entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs are built they're built over over time over over failing you know being able to get back up again and and not let those failures become like ptsd for you in a way that it it keeps you from moving forward and that happened to me i think there was a right after that big loss i both me and my partner, we, we lost everything. Like everything felt like it was going, like everything felt like it was crashing down. And I think in that moment, what I didn't realize is I didn't lose anything. I really always had everything here. 
But when you like put all your energy into those tangible things and, and, and that's, that's, I don't think that's where it's at. I think true entrepreneurship is, is a person that wants to build something bigger than themselves. And, and, and it, and it's like, when you do that, it's like, it's like a baby, you know, it's not about you. It becomes about that project. And I, I, I guess I'm a serial entrepreneur. I don't know if it's a curse or, or a blessing, <laughs> but I, I absolutely love it. And, and my only advice to anybody who's watching who is like, I'm an entrepreneur, like, yeah, fail a few times and get back up and keep pushing through. And then you can call yourself a true entrepreneur because it's hard. It, it's not easy. It's, it's scary. There's no net to catch you, you know, and 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 that was very easy before I had children. <laughs> but, you know, when I was all traveling all over the world, it, that was no problem. But when I came back and everything crashed, I I ended up getting pregnant, which was not planned. You know, God is great and always has a plan for you. But then things got scarier because then I couldn't take, you know, the greater the risks, the greater the rewards. Then I was like, oh, no, it's not just me. I have my kids. So I got stuck a little bit. I did let the the failures affect me and um, hold me back a little bit. And so I had to rebuild that confidence that I didn't want to be afraid anymore, but it was really hard. And I wasn't aware of that was the problem until I was aware that was a problem, which was like probably five years too late, but it wasn't. And that's the other thing is always realizing that it's opportunity is like Somebody told me the opportunity is like a merry-go-round. It's always spinning. It's always spinning. And sometimes you jump off or sometimes you literally get flung off. But you always can get and time it when you want to jump back in. Yeah. I was going to ask you that. You know, when did, when did kids come into the equation? Because obviously there's enough stress going on. And then you add, you know, like you said, the baby of, you know, your, your, your company or your, your right. But then you add the, the actual baby. <laughs> I never that, thought I had time. I think I think yeah. well, I think when I actually had time for it, when like the universe went like, yeah, you're done working, you're done, <laughs> you're done, you're at home, and and you're gonna have to figure something out. And really, when I stopped, when I stopped and I paused, and I wasn't hustling, you know, that hustle hustle culture where you're always like, if I'm not doing something, then I'm not worthy. I, I'm not working hard enough. And I, I think I got stuck in that, you know, that scarcity of like, oh my gosh, you know, I need to get to that safe place. So the the remedy for it was to to work even harder, to keep working harder. But sometimes you can work so hard on the right thing at the wrong time, and you will get nowhere. Mm. And then sometimes you're working on something, and it's the right time but it's the wrong thing, but you don't realize it. And you keep pushing on that thing and you keep banging your head on that door and you don't realize that that's a closed door for a reason. And, and, and sometimes you have to realize that even a closed door, no matter how hard it hurts. And I say this is because I, you know, I never stopped. Every time I failed, I was always, it's funny. My name is Virgie, right? But my, which is a nickname for Virginia, but my full name is Virgie. My real nickname is Verge. It's because I'm always on the verge of doing something. Like, <laughs> it doesn't matter. If somebody knows that Virgie's failing at something, they're like waiting to see what I'm gonna do next. And, and I, I think at first I was like, 
kind of embarrassed by it because I was like, oh man, they're like, what is Virgie doing now? You know, but now I look at it and be like, they come to me like they see it as resilience. They're like, wow, what is Virgie doing now? You know, and, and that's, that's, that's cool to me. And it's cool to me because I always thought I had to figure it out and I always had to be put together and that I'd be at a certain age that I would know. And then the older I get, I realize that nobody ever knows, you know, and you're always growing. And if you're, if I was the same person I was five years, even last year, 10 years, oh my gosh, I, that's pretty sad. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be that person, you know? So growing is, is and staying fluid is, is, what I what I like to do. So what I what I why I'm an entrepreneur is I think it's in me. I think it's in me. It's, it was something that started, but I think it was built over time. I knew that even with all the failures that there was I, I can't work for anybody else. There's no way. There's just no way, you know, and I just know that I I have a vision of of the way things can be and 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 I even got into blockchain and all that stuff because I love the idea of the fact that you can reimagine something that's antiquated and in a new way for the future. And then that's beautiful to me. Yeah. And it, it's interesting too. You said a lot of people are born in, you know, feel like maybe, oh, I was born in entrepreneurship, but it really could be something that you just have a, you know, a passion for that comes later in life. And you say, okay, I just want to take a, a risk and, and just kind of jump in. And sometimes you fail. Obviously, the failure, I think, in any capacity helps people just be better at what they're doing. What Even if you're in a corporate gig and you just fail, you know, it, it's good to have, kind of have the – you shouldn't just always have an easy street, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I think, honestly, that we grow through adversity. Growth is yeah. – and I think that all the challenges that we have is a way to sharpen our sword. And, you know, I, I worry sometimes because, you know, I had a really tough childhood. Me and, – and it was it – was, I always had to figure things out like at 12 or 13. I was like, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to figure this out? You know, I mean, my, my mom was on, you know, was on welfare. She was a single mom. And, and I did not like that. I, it was very, very embarrassing to me. And I just knew there had to be a better way. So like, you know, at 13, you know, I, I was like, I'm going to call agents. And I was like calling talent agencies because I, I did an acting a theater class in like eighth, seventh grade. And I thought, okay, well, I'll be an actress. I'll make money doing that. And, and I did it. I mean, some 13 year old girl in some apartment in Hawthorne, California decided to open up a yellow pages guys. Yeah. You know, nobody knows <laughs> a yellow pages and look up talent agents. And I just sat there one evening, I called all the agents and, and everybody gave me the same line, send your picture and resume. Okay. Okay. And then one call I got, and the lady was like, how old are you? And I'm like, I'm 13 and I want to be an actress. And she was like, is your mommy there? I'm like, hold on, let me find her. And then that's it. Next thing I know, we, my mom was like, we're going to Hollywood to meet a talent agent. Like she was just like, what just came out of room? Didn't they know what I was doing? We get there and they signed both my, my sisters. Of course, I'm too big and I get shelved. But it doesn't matter because I don't care. I am going to keep moving forward. No matter you tell me no, I will keep moving forward. I, I will find a way. And uh, I ended up booking the first job. I, I had the least amount of uh, auditions. And I ended up booking a McDonald's commercial called Embarrassing Moments. It was made like, I don't know, like I think that one was went 
not yeah, it went national that one. I think I made like eighty to a hundred thousand dollars off of that commercial as like a 13, 14 year old, you know, child, because that's when it started airing. That's huge. It, yeah. I was like, dude, I, I can do anything I put my mind to. So I always had that mindset of like, I can always do better. There's always a next level. So I, that's just a little story about me. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I mean, that's, that's, you know, quite the journey. Obviously, where you're sitting is another journey too, right? And, <laughs> you know, we haven't 20, even gotten there. <laughs> no, no, I know. It's just that that part to me seems like it's it's pretty amazing how you've taken this whole career path of you know trying different things and trying trying and trying. Feels like there's probably another you know ton of things that you haven't done yet that you might be amazing at, right? But how how did this kind of come about for you? in 2020 was it 2020 or 19 2019 2019 okay okay? so then before the pandemic yes yes it was before the pandemic right before um so this is this shop right here has been in simi valley for 20 years okay i have been going to this shop since the day it pretty much opened i knew the original owner okay so something about me and if i love food like i love cheeseburgers like don't take me to a foofy restaurant like it's cool i'll go there but like afterwards you better take me somewhere where i can get a nice big cheeseburger or cheesesteak or something that i can really sink my teeth into so i love loved this place they we always got a chicken cheesesteak and italian hoagie and we would come like every week or you know it was just consistent it was like our go-to place moved around a lot it's been 20 years we've done our business and it was on the other side of see me and then nine years ago it moved to this spot and about four years ago actually the owner had been trying to sell the restaurant and get out of the business for a while he was just he was just tired he was just ready to you know move on to the next thing and one day my husband walked in and he actually we knew about it but he saw it on this whiteboard that whiteboard okay yeah that one right yeah, there yeah. <laughs> and um, the, and it, so and it, yeah and it basically said you know mamba out thank you simi valley and i was just thinking oh no <laughs> we had to save the cheesesteaks that's a very la phrase right <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> funny you know it, it is funny so that that's what he said and then i i literally was like oh no and i was at home and you have to understand our mindset. So me and my husband, my partner, we've been together since since for 30 years, for a long time. Everything I've done has been with him. We've gone through ups and downs. We've built everything together. He got a little tired of digital marketing. I was going all in on personal branding and doing LinkedIn. And he was just, he was supportive of me. It was all my thing. He was just kind of like, mm, I need to find something for mm-hmm. me. And I knew that. So when I heard about this, my my husband is is a chef. He's he's a really amazing cook. If you know us, you would have been at our house. He would have cooked for you. You would have asked him for his recipe on his seasoning. I mean, he's he's very eccentric when it comes just down to his just seasonings. It's it's funny. So when I I just had dreams about it. After he told me about it, I literally was like my mind started racing and I started visualizing like, hmm. Well, maybe, maybe this would be a really good alignment for him. You know, it's something he's passionate about. We've always talked about it. It's something local. It's something different. It's something that is in alignment with what I can do. It would be a challenge for me to see how I could not only build a personal brand, which I was doing and very good at doing for other people and other brands, but how can I do it for a restaurant? You know, because it's not really a 
person. So I was like, this, this could be fun. And then he would have his thing, I would have my thing, and then we'd have something that would be for both of us because I love food and I could help without digital marketing. In my mind, it was just a perfect, perfect. It was perfect. I just thought, great, you know, we had employees, it would be great. We had a little separation and a connection, great. <laughs> what I did know is that the whole world, the whole world was going to change everything. I was a realtor and broker at the time I was doing real estate, I was doing this, everything. I had no idea that when we were looking at numbers for this restaurant and we were thinking, okay, this could work. We can take this. We can scale this. This is what the costs are. This is what the overhead is. I had no idea that just a few months later, going into that, there would be a complete lockdown. We would have to shut down all dining in the store. My kids were going to be out of school with me 24 seven. And we literally took over a restaurant <laughs> where all the employees left. Okay. They didn't have a lot of employees, but the employees that were there were no longer there. Okay. So luckily we, we, we did have a good running with the, the original owner, you know, he stuck with us, you know, but, but it was so grueling because I do not belong in a kitchen. Okay. I, <laughs> I am a great like eater. I can yeah. clean like nobody's business, but I uh, literally burn water. Like uh, and, yeah. and yeah, and that's that's really hard to do. Yes. So I went through this uh it was from six in the morning to like sometimes twelve o'clock at night, cleaning, prepping. We do hand sliced ribeye steak in this shop. My husband's arm and back were so messed up from from doing all the slicing from chopping all day long we make our own sauces we slice our own all our veggies are sliced nothing comes in little bags where we just dump it out everything is made from scratch so everything had to be made for the shop between two people and the blessing was that we were super super busy in a time that we had very, very little help in a time that everything was raising the prices. I mean, I could not even keep a hold of it. And mind you, I have technology in my shop right now. I have kiosks, I've got TVs, people can order online, I've got third party systems. This shop ran on, on a ticketing system that was, was a fry bag that wow. I had to physically write with a pen or Sharpie or whatever on a fry bag, your order with a line out the door. Now, mind you, I have not picked up a pen to actually really write in a really, really long time. Mm -hmm. to, so writing my penmanship is, is no, something that true. only I can read. <laughs> I should have been an attorney or a doctor. It's <laughs> right. chicken scratch. And I've got the old owner that is trying to run the shop the way it's his shop. It was, he's, he's showing his reins and I was getting reamed and yelled at in front of customers. And, and it was very, very high stress. And there was many times I literally went to the back and it was sitting there and, and I was crying. I was literally going, I'm 
a broker. I manage teams. What am I doing here? And and I was like, I don't want to be that mom and pop shop where we're like attacking each other with these pots and pans, you know? <laughs> but but it was it was really, really hard. And anybody who is in the restaurant industry, I have so much mad respect for you. I did not know and I did not realize how much really goes into keeping a shop open every single day, day to day, with all your own challenges, all the, the, the everything going on, and still being able to show up with a smile on your face and great energy. Wow, that 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 is. It's tough. It's tough. On online, you can hide, you can repurpose content, you can take a break. But if I don't show up, I don't make money. So it's it, it was it was my mission to figure out how do I take this brick and mortar shop that usually is a in my mind, I always thought brick and mortars were basically a, a, a ball and chain anchor. You can only make money during the hours that you were open. And and, and I, how do you scale that without cloning yourself? Without, how, you know, how do you scale that and keep overhead low? So while I'm washing dishes in the back, because that's, that's, I'm great at dishes. I can do dishes like <laughs> yeah. nobody's business. <laughs> I'm masterminding. I'm, I'm listening to podcasts, I'm listening to Clubhouse, I'm listening to any type of information that I can get because I know nothing about running a restaurant. I knew, I know, now I know a lot. <laughs> I knew nothing. I didn't know what I didn't know. Didn't know that my square system didn't actually pay my sales tax. I calculated it. I just thought it also put it, it took care of it. Oh no, I find out a year later that it hadn't been paid. I'm like, <gasps> Okay. Okay. I guess I, uh, another rude awakening. So like yeah. so much money just went in into this business. And normally as an entrepreneur, you run by numbers and you're like, okay, let's look at the numbers. This doesn't make sense. We cut this off. And there was no time for that. We were so in it. And, and at that time I was like talking to my partner. I was like, babe, like, what what are the numbers like i don't even know what these receipts are they're as tall as me we need to get in the cloud and what's going he's like all i know is i don't know it's moving way too fast just we got a roof over our head and we get to eat every day and all i know <laughs> is that we're going to keep moving forward and at some point it's going to make sense at some point it's going to make sense and, and then, you know, it wasn't just us, though. It wasn't like it was just our own drama going on. It was the whole world. Um, people coming in, like, losing their jobs and family members. And it just really put a lot into perspective. Like, okay, yeah, you're right. We, we, we got each other. We, we have our health. We, we, we're being able to feed people. We're making people happy. We, we can, we, our kids are with us. You know what? The whole world is 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 struggling. So we just we just hunkered down and we just did our very best to to be a pillar in the community and to have a a, a good energy because everywhere you went was like doom and gloom and negative. So when people came in here, we brightened people's days. You know, my my husband has this thing where he would tell people like, oh, it's so great to you know see you smile, and they look at him like, 
I'm wearing a mask. He's yeah, like, no, exactly. I, I, and he'd be like, I can, I can hear it in your voice. I can see right. it in your eyes. And, you know, and, and just making sure that everyone was like, you know, just had a good energy and how they felt when they left here and, and making sure that what they ate. So that was another thing that was huge for us. The restaurant was always great. It was, it was always good, really good. That's, I mean, I loved it, but there was room for improvement. When I came in and I learned everything, I actually knew what all the products were and what was going into it. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that. Hmm, I would never buy that. There are certain things that I would just level up personally, just being who I am. And, and my partner included, you know, the types of seasonings down to the oil, little things. But out of respect, we kept everything exactly the same, wanted to learn everything. But when we actually really, really, you know, got a chance to slow down and everything kind of got to some sort of like, new normal but we actually got to pull back and be like okay some things we had to forcibly change meat prices went up almost like 60 70 percent cheese went up uh, was definitely 50 percent i mean talk about buying a case of cheese for like maybe 30 dollars and then going in the next day or the next week and it being 75 dollars for that same case you're like how do you and how do you you can't just raise prices everybody i mean at that time i was like i didn't even have a system where we could just raise those prices i would have to go into some manual it was just too much work and we were losing we were losing money in the beginning there wasn't there was no doubt because what we did was increase the quality of everything because the last thing i wanted to do is everybody was charging more but they were trying to give you a poor quality product it was like this weird mm-hmm. hedge thing you know yeah you know, things got smaller, everything was shortage in, in quantity and any was shrinkage yeah. any way they could. So we sat down and like, you know, quality does matter. It's something that we've always, always stood by no matter what we did, you know, always do things with integrity. Even if it meant you got the shorter end of the stick, it meant that you were doing the right thing. So we went out all in on quality. We went in at the best. I said, okay, guys, if you're going to raise my price, then what's the best ribeye steak that we can get? I want to see it. I want to know. I want to know what the difference is and, and what it is. It was so close to the best, to the worst. I was like, then let's give me the best. Nobody wanted to buy the best because it was more expensive. But what they didn't realize is that they were paying more expensive for lower quality, which in turn was actually hurting their restaurant and their sales is because everybody at that time was trying to trying to do the same thing, run by numbers. And at that time, people were running by, this is my money. And if I'm going to pay you my money, I want to be able to put something in my mouth that I felt was worth it. And if I put something in my mouth and I'm thinking, or I'm thinking I'm still hungry, you made people <laughs> feel like they got jipped. Yeah. And that's, that I didn't, and just taking over a restaurant, you know, oh, new owners. I mean, I had every, everything against us. The last the place obstacle. I Last thing I wanted to do, I wanted to give more. And I knew that paying it forward, I, I hoped, I just knew in my heart, I would feel better about it. And it did, it did. Everyone noticed a difference. Our, our reviews, people were going like crying in my shop. They came in literally with tears, thanking us for saving this shop because there's so many places that did not survive. And, and finding good food in Simi Valley is, is hard to do. Most people will go to Thousand Oaks. They'll go to Westlake Village. They'll go to Porter Ranch. They will make that drive. And they don't think of Simi Valley as having quality food. But that's changing. There, there are some really, really good quality places in Simi Valley and, and even surrounding areas. And there are people 
that did realize that, you know what, restaurants is not just a brick and mortar business anymore. You know, none of no business is just a brick and mortar business anymore. Everything, you know, and in my mind has always been an online business and always could be. But after the pandemic, now everybody else understands that same thing. Mm hmm. Yeah. So like, was the, 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 the store that you guys, you know, came in in 2019, say, did you do like a full rebranding? Did you say, okay, we're going to come up with a name, the brand, because I know your background, right? Branding, you can bring that in. How sort of did you, did you infuse that? So I, initially when we first took over, we kind of really wanted to just kind of like take over the, the legacy and be like, it already had a brand. It already had what, why, why mess with it? You know, why would I take something that's already been somewhere for 20 years, already has a following and mess with that? And so initially it wasn't, I, I did think I was going to do the marketing for it. I didn't think I was going to rebrand it. So this is what happened with the rebranding. I know that I have all those skills. I, I, that is something that's just natural for me. What happened is, is there are other shops. The, the original owner of this shop, there is another shop, okay, that was in Ventura that a friend of his helped him open. They were all individually and independently owned, okay? So what happened was, is during the pandemic, a lot of people were coming here and, and there, and I guess somebody had was on their way back to Ventura or driving. And when they went into Yelp and they looked up the steak and hoagie, it brought up the steak and hoagie that was in Ventura or, or no, vice versa. They were driving back and it brought up a steak and hoagie that was ours. Okay. So they had been to one that was in Ventura. I got a, we got a bad review, which was really shocking for us because we had been getting so many good reviews and we got one bad review and we we're like, oh, this bites, what happened? So we were reading the review, you know, of course, like in the beginning, you're, you're very nervous. Like we were, didn't have confidence and conviction. So like anybody who came in and was upset, I was like, oh my God, they're going to take our business out. Like there was always that fear, you know, or during the pandemic, oh, if we weren't clean or if we didn't, they didn't see us with a mask or gloves. It was just, everybody was so scared. So we looked at that and I was reading the review. I'm like, wait a minute, this review doesn't make sense. It said that there was rips and holes in the booths. And I'm like, babe, we don't have booths. We don't have booths, babe. That, that can't be our review. It's not our review. So we ended up going into it and I ended up contacting the person and they were like, oh, oh, no, no, no. I, I, I've never been to your shop. I, I, I went to the one in Ventura. I, I, I did. And so there was that confusion. So I was like, oh no, we cannot have this confusion. I mean, we're going all in on quality. We're making our own chili where we've, we changed the sauce. We're making all our own sauces. We're making lasagnas now. Like whatever somebody wanted to get from our shop, they can't get from any other shop because they're not doing what we're doing. So I instantly was like, Canva, <laughs> you know, I didn't have time <laughs> yeah, for Photoshop. Yeah. I didn't before yeah. Photoshop, Fo Premiere Pro, all of that, didn't. Canva went in there and I was like, I, we have this thing where if you buy any sandwich, you can bomb a sandwich. You know, it's kind of thing. People come in like, yeah, I want to bomb my cheesesteak. And what that means is that you would get extra meat and extra cheese on your sandwich. So I thought, bomb hoagie. Cool. So I started answering the phone, bomb hoagie. So people would know. Oh, and the other thing is sometimes when people call in an order and they would be for Ventura, but they place the order and see me. So I would be like, Balm Hoagie. So when they answered the phone, they're like, huh? I'm like, yes, Balm Hoagie and Simi Valley. So that's where I started kind of differentiating it. 
And then I created the logo, that logo, <laughs> perfect yeah, yeah. timing, <laughs> um, that, that logo. And I didn't really love it because it was made in Canva and I just did it and it was just me. And I figured, okay, well, this is just something, whatever, we'll have a professional do it later. I've had like several people try to recreate a logo and it never, nothing, nobody ever likes it. And so I'm like, that's it. That's, that's the logo. I remember the first time we put the, the vinyl on the, the windows. That's actually the first time that I actually created a brand that actually went up on something that was tangible, you know, not other than a business card or something like that. So like, I was like, whoa, this is, this is cool. I, I, I like this. I like, I like this a lot, you know? So yeah, I, I really started making peace at that time with, cause I had a little bit of resentment. Like I got this restaurant for you and now I'm stuck <laughs> here. And I was building, I had, I was like a top 1% creator on LinkedIn at that time. I was like in my zone and ready to launch my course. And so there was that resentment. And then I just remember there was that time where I just, and that's what I was telling you earlier. You have to be grateful for closed doors and recognizing that sometimes you're being pushed into, you know, the fullness of your destiny. And, you know, I don't really know what that is, but I, I know that I'm being, I, I feel that I'm being guided. I feel that I'm being pushed into alignment, which is great because it's what I've been praying for and, 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 and asking for for so many years because I've, I've felt so out of alignment. And I'd never thought that I would find my alignment in a business that I thought was so out of alignment with <laughs> right. me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Hey, so it sounds like what sort of sets you all apart is, you know, your, your ingredients that you went above and beyond, right. To, to sort of differentiate, you know, between other, because I, I grew up in South Jersey. I grew up, you know, I went to college in Philly. I used to make my father drive me to Philly at least once a month and we would go, you know, I mean, there was passengers. So what's, what's your cheesesteak? What's your cheesesteak? You know, I, it's hard to pick one because, you know, you go to college there for so many years and you, you try gyms, you try Delisandro, you try Pat's, you know, all the, right. And I think it's Pat's uses, I think they use ribeye Gino's as sirloin. I can't remember. You know, some people like cheese whiz, some people like, right. I always seem to go back to gyms just because we go to South street a lot for, concerts or whatever it might be, you know, it, it seemed to be like the one that resonated the most with me, probably because it was the most activity we had around there, you know, it's nostalgic, nostalgic, nostalgic. Too, and well. it burned down a couple of years ago. So it, it, it's definitely like, you know, you, you talk about the communal aspect and stuff like that. And I think when you can sort of 2020 for all the negative, I mean, it, it probably was also a, a great time to bond with this community that you had out there when you're reintroducing this brand to them. Right. So you're, you're making these connections with people that you probably would have a hard time recreating without the current state of uh, what was going on everywhere. Well, people were different at that time. There was a lot of support for the restaurants too. At that time, I remember there was a support local and, and, and everybody's family was together. So I got to see families come in and the interesting about the shop is that the we changed the the customer base, I think, you know, and, and I think it's poss possibly a little bit of what we did, the way we are, also the, the pandemic. But 
you know, we are started catering to families more. I'm a family, you know, I, I, I have kids, my kids were here. Um, we had kids meals, we did cookies. When people came in, we, we, we just made them feel loved. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was really, that was a really, really good time for, for community. And I, we did churches, we would do fundraisers for school, anything that we could do to help out in any way we made herself available, you know, feeding people. And anytime I, I see somebody, you know, around here that doesn't have food, like it breaks my heart, you know, but like, if I've got something to give, I, I will give it. Right. Yeah. And no, that's like I said, I, I think the communal aspect of any restaurant, sm small, large, whatever it might be, customer service is always huge. Like you always, sometimes I think people envy, oh, I wish I had this line out the door for my donuts or whatever it is. But sometimes you go into those shops after your hour wait and they kind of seem like they're doing you a favor. You know, like I, absolutely no, you're so you're so right. And I know this because I'm a foodie. I go into restaurants. I support local even before this, you know, be, being a restaurant owner. I, I support local all the time. But there are sometimes the customer service has changed a lot over the years. You go in there and you're like, great, you're 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 bothering me. And I'm like, I'm sorry if I'm bothering you. I can go somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, it was we did. We, we upgraded the quality of food, the customer service was was next level because when people came in they've got they got the they got me they got my partner they got us they got the full service so what i was struggling with is like okay great because people would tell me you know yeah you know the, people were coming here because of you and the food but because of you and i'm thinking gosh if i scale this and i'm not here how is that going to work and like personal branding we're we're the personal brand and how you do that is with, and, 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 and I only know this word because of a friend of mine named Sean and because of a, a clubhouse thing that they do, which I found while washing dishes, wearing these beats, <laughs> is digital hospitality. Okay. And, and it's, it's, a dig, it's, it's how you make your customer base feel at home, feel like, like, like they're walking into that, that hotel room where they feel wanted in a digital way. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and also digital hospitality is something that we had to embrace because the times have changed. Like right now, right now I have to figure out how to scale my shop. Like we're doing great. We have great reviews. Overhead is high. Employee cost is very high. I know we just did a California saying that they just raised it to 20. I've already been up and over that since since during the pandemic because that was the only way for me to make sure that I can have the right guys behind that grill making your cheesesteaks because it does not take just a somebody who's cooked for a year or two. It needs somebody that can handle a rush. And I'm talking making like 50 cheesesteaks in like 30 minutes, you know? And that is a lot different than just kind of making a sandwich and just passing it through. So for me, I've already been like, like some of my guys are at 25 and, and they are loyal to me. I've had them for over three years and they drive an hour and a half to get to me. So that wow. says two things. They love working for me and I'm so yeah. grateful for that um, because I could not, we could not do what we do without my team back there. If I were back, if we, we didn't have that team and I had to run this team with a bunch of high schoolers, we would have 
everything would be frozen in packages. That would be the only way to do this. So to run a shop like this, it takes a lot. We're basically like a like a, a steakhouse and and a in a in a in a in a craft sandwich shop all rolled up in one and a deli and a and an Italian <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> it's it's a lot. So so for me, it's really important for me now. I'm trying to figure out, okay, so now where's my point in this? You know, why am I doing podcasts? Why am I creating content and not just creating content about food? It's because I have a passion to help other people and I want to be a blessing to others, kind of like you're doing for me right now. <laughs> so like you, a friend of mine, Sean, says that nobody is going to go out there and tell your story. And they're absolutely right. While I was sitting here running my restaurant, nobody was telling my story. I felt like I was just sinking and like nobody knew me and I was disappearing is actually the way I kind of felt. Okay. So like when I got a part of this group, which is this, this digital hospitality group, and we're on LinkedIn on Wednesdays and clubhouse on Fridays, great people. I learned so much. These are, these are people, they are bosses in the restaurant industry. They are boss entrepreneurs and they're just super amazing people to be connected with. So I have built myself through that group and I'm shouting them out a little bit here because I think they deserve it because I had not been on camera and I had not spoken in so long that if we would have done this podcast maybe four months ago, uh, I don't, I don't think I would be as calm and, and ready for it with, without that being on that clubhouse team. So really, I just really wanted to do that same thing for other restaurant owners because it is really scary. And I know that when I was in my scariest times, like times where I literally would be having a conversation with you smiling, but inside I'm crying and freaking out and not knowing what I'm going to do. I want to make that conversation easier for other restaurant owners to have so that they can actually learn how to ask for help because that was the hardest thing for me was to ask for help. And it's always been a hard thing. And it's actually a hard thing for most entrepreneurs is because you, we all want to make sure that everybody thinks we know what we're fucking doing. But the truth is, is most people don't know what the fuck they're doing until they start doing it. And then you do it and you make a bunch of mistakes and you do it and you do it again. And I always say that the strategy is in the, the action of doing. So, and that's why I said earlier on, you know, I made that point for entrepreneurs, like, don't get stuck. Yeah, you're going to fail. But what I didn't realize is those failures really weren't failures. They were just learning. They were lessons. That's what I needed to learn at that time. And if I would have succeeded, I wouldn't have learned that lesson. And all those lessons over time, you know, they, they do culminate at a certain time. They come together and you're like, you do it one day and you will one day have this aha moment. You're like, I get it now. And then as you get older, I think where I'm at, I think you kind of sit in a little bit more peace and start letting things happen. Like, let go, do your part. But then sometimes you just kind of kind of let other things happen and see where it takes you mm -hmm. and trust the yeah. process. Right. And I think because I, I've, I've been around, obviously, Philly, Philly centric. Every time a Philly shop opens or a food truck, it's always uh, oh, Joe, you got to try it. Yeah, try it. It's like, it's just like probably what you grew up with. And I think that 
to a degree, there's there are a lot of people, and it doesn't have to be California. It could be any state, anywhere in the world. They think, oh, I'll get some Amoroso rolls and some cheese whiz and some lettuce, and right, and I can just I can have a Philly cheese take place. But what it sounds like what you're all doing differently is is your partner comes in with this seemingly natural gift of infusing flavors, right, and coming up with his own. Like you said, you're doing lasagnas, you're doing other things outside of the realm to sort of build your own brand other than just, hey, we ordered some cheese whiz tubs and here's our Philly cheesesteaks. So to me, that's where I think is setting you apart from everyone else that's just, oh, that's what Pat's and Gino's does. Okay, just sort of replicate it out here. And it doesn't always work out that way, right? I know it doesn't always work out that way. And that that is exactly what we're doing. We're doing that with the quality of the food because we do want to scale this. And not only that, we're actually using our entrepreneur mindset to actually figure out ways to take things to the next level with our restaurant. And while we're doing that, I want to help other restaurants do the same thing because I believe that restaurants and small businesses, that they're the heart of every community, okay? That's like the heartbeat of every community. So when you go out there, everyone needs to have that local spot that they go to, their local sandwich shop, you know, that local place that they go to. And if we don't save and if we don't try to do everything we can to save these, these local like mom and pop shops, we're going to end up with a bunch of places with a bunch of Amazon freshes and a bunch of like food that's just going to all taste exactly the same because they're all getting it from the exact same place. Yeah. So... I want to help, you know, other restaurant owners understand that there's new ways that they can actually bring in more money into their restaurant without increasing overhead, which which I hope will help them reignite their passion in their business. Because I think a lot of I see people and I go in there and I tell them, you know, look what I'm doing and this and this. And they just I see it in their eyes and I know the pain because it was in my eyes, too. And, and I know what I'm doing. I am a digital marketer. I, I know how to build brands. And I didn't do it for a long, long time because it's really, really, really hard. So that's what I want to do. I want to help other restaurant owners realize that. And then I want to help them create content, kind of like what you're helping me do, create content. And then maybe just have conversations about what it is that I'm doing. Like right now, I got creative. You're like, we have all this food. We, we have all this. And I'm not thinking, I don't want any waste. So what do we do? We grind our own burgers. So I decided I wanted to be like Mr. Beast. Like, why can he only do it? Why can he yeah. only do it? And even Mr. Beast is not happy with what he's doing with Mr. Beast Burgers. Why? Because he has no control over the quality. Now, if Mr. Beast worked with us, then the quality would be a lot better. <laughs> but that's, that was a problem. I, I understand. I, I knew what was happening. I, I loved the idea on how they scaled. I thought it was genius. The only problem I had was it was like, I see that the only problem would be the quality control on that. You know, you're going to get a bunch of people cooking things a bunch of different ways. And, you know, I'm not say I was right. It's just if the writing was on the wall, anybody could figure that out. We grind our own meat. We make our own chili. We make our own burgers. We've always made burgers and they were half pound burgers. They were huge. The problem was during lunch rushes that they were taking too long. So I was like, hey, team, you know what? Let's turn them into a double cheeseburger. They'll cook faster. 
And it worked. They cooked faster. People loved them. And it was like, actually, well, during a rush, it was like, let's push the burgers because they're easier to cook, you know? And then um, my partner had a dream. He thought of a, a name. He's like, Behemoth Burger. And he con- contacted with one of his friends and and he drew art and it worked. Now we've had lots of artwork drawn up for us and it's just never clicked. And this one clicked and it clicks for a brand that's not even the brand that we have for a whole other like restaurant that we haven't even built yet, you know? And then he dreams up all the like 12 different craft burgers with all these funny names like Dr. Jekyll and the Monster Mash and the Philinstein. And we created all these sauces. And then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do it. So I got my square system. I figured out how to put up another another site, you know, and and without paying too much money, and then pipe in an app so I can get all my third party systems to the one POS, you know, because I want to create all this, but I don't want to create a bottleneck in the back of the house. So all this is front of the house. All this is what we're doing. But my back of the house team just is making another burger. They don't know what brand it's for. They don't care. They're just they're doing their system is the, remains the same on the back end. So I was like, cool. And then it started working. And and then all of a sudden we're getting people talking about, oh yeah, all these people are doing ghost kitchens. And I think Bomb Hoagie's doing this behemoth burger. I've never heard of them. They're like, no, no, no. I think behemoth burger's taking them out. And I'm sitting there laughing to myself going, this is so cool. Like I created a buzz about my restaurant without it being about my restaurant by creating another restaurant. I'm like, that's fun. Let's do this again. we did it again. Um, we're doing another brand of the lasagna brand and, and how we're able to do this and what it is that we think of when we add another brand is you don't want to add a bunch of products that you now have to keep. And I don't want to add more work for my team as well. So we already make sauce. We already have beef. We already have tons of it. So during the pandemic, we did this thing called take and bake. And we had these lasagnas. We have no oven back here. So we would make lasagnas and we'd flash freeze them, put them in the freezer. My husband would make, my partner would make like 30, 40 of them. And then we'd be like, okay, take and bake. Anybody want them? They went nuts. People were going crazy. People would buy in the lasagna like, I need more. I need more. They were so ravenous that we could not keep up with it that I ended up building up a list of like, I think it was like going to like almost like 400 people on this list for just lasagnas. And every time it came in, they're like, lasagnas and I look at them like I have a list it doesn't make sense you know and we would just like kind of like a little banter between us and then just last week just Friday which is like I didn't have time to test my camera but just Friday he's like yeah I'm gonna just do a mail out to the list and say I'm gonna make some lasagnas and they'll make like you know 20 lasagna no 50 50 lasagnas (laughs) and counting he's still making lasagnas you gotta come back in and make more so (laughs) And so now I got to build a a logo. I got to build a website. I got to connect all my third party systems. I got to, I'm building a third restaurant within this one virtual restaurant within our own brand. So it's, it's, it's really, it's cool. It's cool. And it's fun because now I am no longer just a brick and mortar business. Now I'm building websites for online businesses that are building funnels and flows to a brick and mortar business. So this is where the fun begins. Yeah, that sounds exciting. I mean, part of the thing I think with the restaurants too, people also, you know, it, everyone has their role. Like you said, you're, you're, you're people in the back, people in the right. In terms of like the fun part, right? Like a lot of it's just the work, but are there any like stories where you said like, you know, running this restaurant is, you know, maybe like the napkin, right? The, the last owner used to write down orders on the napkin and then you realize, oh my gosh, like, 
are there any like sort of like hilarious or eye-opening uh, stories just from these restaurant trenches you've been in? Dealing funny, um, just getting yelled at by people. People <laughs> sometimes are not very nice. Yeah. I I literally okay, so I. I talk a lot and, right. and people are coming in and I'm always happy and I always tell my story and and we had a new employee and it was a really rough night. She she wasn't getting everything and, and some things went out and she missed some fries and it, it was off. It was a very, very off night. There was no doubt about it. So I'm always positive, like, it's okay, fail forward, we got this team, blah, blah, blah. Well, customer called and I get on the phone, I'm like, hi, Bumogi, you know, and then she's like, I was like, oh. And I, I hadn't really dealt with confrontation in that way. So I always thought that like my mental health was pretty intact and I could handle it and I could handle any, any situation, but she was berating me. She was, she was hangry. She was mad. I tried to explain and, and she it kept getting it more intense. And I, I felt myself sweating. My heart was palpitating and I was thinking to myself, my God, what is wrong with me? Why can't I was literally having a panic attack. We were in the middle of a rush. There were people there and, and I was scared I was going to get a bad review and it was going to like take down my, it was like all this fear was coming in. And I remember at that moment that I, 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 I took a deep breath and I just told myself, this isn't about me. This is nothing to do with me. This is not personal. I need to be there for this person. So all I said is like, you're right. I am so wrong. What do you need from me? How can I make this right? When I was able to actually get those words in. But when I did, I realized this person on the other end was not just a horrible person that just likes to beat up on people and wanted to hurt me and make my day horrible. She was also going through a lot of stress. She had something that was triggering her. So in that moment, it made me realize that that I had to build like a tougher a tougher skin. Um, it wasn't about me, and that I was serving others. And when you serve others, that you do really have to take a step back. And and that was an eye opener for me because it was really hard for me to do because I am a type of person who likes to fix everything. And sometimes you can't fix everything. Sometimes you just need to help sit back, let them get everything out. And then you guys can go back to the same, same playing field. So I actually had to not only teach myself that, but I also had to teach my team that I have a really good gift of seeing people and, and I can see my team where they're struggling. So mental health is a really big deal for me when it comes to, to my shop. I try really, really hard to make sure that everybody is doing something that they feel happiest with, which is hard, okay, with a shop that's like mine. I, this whole shop, we can, we can do a really busy day and I can run it with three people. Four is ideal, but we can run it with three people. We're hustling, we're like, we're running everything, but I have to run it that way because I have to make sure that the numbers make sense, that we're not too high in the red on overhead so that I can get the shop to the next level. So funny moments made lots of great friends, honestly, amazing friends. I have no, I, I never anticipated the amount of, of good people that I would meet just sitting here, just serving. That's it. You know, all this time I thought I was like losing 
time connecting and making friends and being social. And they all came to us. They all came to us. In fact, our a good friend of ours is is Steve Strope. And and he has built a car for Joe Rogan, a 69 uh, car. If you like cars, you got to check it out. He was I just saw your on, post. Yeah. yeah, I saw your post on LinkedIn. He he just literally did a, a shout out about our restaurant saying that, like, go check out, you know, Ezio and his cheesesteak shop. They have the best cheesesteaks in all of California. Everything is shit. And Ezio does yum, yummy. And, like, that, like, made us, like, I was literally, like, on cloud nine. Like, if you came to my shop that day, I was like, oh, like, floating around the whole shop. And it, it was just great. And then something else happened the next day, which I can't talk about until it comes out. But it's because of the community. It's because of you, Joe. It's because of uh, because of the, the people who leave those Yelp reviews, you know, positive or negative. You know, even if it is a negative, I would really hope that if you're leaving a negative review that you come to the restaurant owner and let them fix it first. Because those Yelp reviews really, really hurt, hurt restaurants. I, I have gone to restaurant owners where they are like had two Yelp, bad Yelp reviews in a row and they are so deflated to the point where they want to cry. They're, they're literally crying when they get this. So, and if you knew that they would do anything to make it right with you, give them a chance. And the other thing is just like, I will intentionally like tell people like, just go out. If you know that there's a restaurant that you know, if you went out there, and it was gone, that you would be crushed, then you need to make sure that you're trolling those restaurants at least once a month. If it's Even if it's on social media, leave them a review, leave them some feedback, something, because this industry is really, really hard and it's really, really unforgiving sometimes. There are some people that just come in and just see us as people that want to serve and they just get their food and they go. And But luckily, for me, that really hasn't been our situation. We have amazing customers. I tell everyone that this is this is a joint venture between us. Like I cannot do yeah, this business okay. without you. I can't, you know, without you showing up every day supporting my business, we would not exist. So it is a joint venture, and and thinking about it like like a like their extended family is really really important to me. It's really important how you make someone feel. And I have made a lot of friends by feeding them and making them happy in their belly. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you say, what, what would be the most rewarding part of this journey so far to you? <sighs> Realizing that I, I don't know everything. I don't have the plan and, and trusting the process and trusting that you are where you should be and, and showing up with the most positive attitude in peace and harmony is probably what I learned because I had try to control everything, try to plan everything and every plan, everything got thrown out the window. There was no manual. There was no nothing, including even today because we spent all day making lasagnas. I literally just put this up like five minutes and, and my camera is propped up by by uh, right. <laughs> it's funny, but it is basically uh, stainless steel um, bins that are pasta sauce goes into because I left the tripod at home. Oh no! <laughs> Can't so get away from it. <laughs> you just, you know, just you know. My husband said this morning, you just not everything is ever going to go the way you think. You just right. go with it, go with the flow, and trust yeah. the process. 
it's funny you say trust the process because Philadelphia 76ers NBA fans, that's what they were told for years. Just trust the process. Yeah, that's. (laughs) Did it work for them? (laughs) Still haven't won a ring in in recent years, but. (laughs) You know what? It might take a few years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. That's like the big line in in, in Philly. Well, and, and basketball down there is just. Trust the process, trust the process. But I mean, obviously, they've gone light years better than they've been. So, you know, the process is working, but it's, it's, it's a process, right? It's going to take time. But so far, you know, they, they, they have Embiid. So I think. Maybe, maybe they're learning something through that, you know, maybe it'll be when they do, it'll be their greatest victory. And then the thing is, you know, the funny thing is, is when that does happen for them, everything else before gets erased. Yeah, totally. It really does. Yeah. So then yeah, now imagine, the yeah, imagine if they did it now. Okay. If they did it now or they did it 10 years ago, they would still be wanting to do it. So that's right. something I learned as I got older as entrepreneurs, just slow down. You do not need to, it's not a race. It's a marathon. And I wish I would have, I wish I was just trying to chase. I was trying to chase and I was trying to prove things. And I just wish I, I wish I would have taking a chance on my passions a little more. So mm-hmm. I always say like, take your passions and make it happen. And that's exactly what we're doing. My passion is helping others. My passions is building businesses and building brands. I, I love it. I don't think I will ever stop. I will keep building businesses because I enjoy it. I love seeing something that was nothing that actually starts growing into something. Maybe when I get older, I'll do gardening. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's what I should do. But, but that, I, I love that. And my, my husband's passion is, is music. And, and it's, it's food and it's seasonings and ingredients. And, and it's me. I know he's passionate about yeah. me. Well, you um, got it backwards. You <laughs> start with you. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> but, but I think that, that it's just simpler things in life. I always thought I needed like this big giant, like multi-million dollar business. And what I don't realize is like pulling back. I actually still might end up with that because I'm actually have so much clarity and we've had, there's so many new collaborations that I'm so seriously excited about that have just recently happened. You know, like we're collaborating with a live entertainment concerts streaming business that's called Hitcore. And and that's like a business that's local in Simi Valley. And, you know, we're going to be doing catering with them. And, and, and it's going to really take our business to the next level as well, you know, because it actually opens up another avenue, catering. So it's just, just really exciting times. And and I just think that once I realize, like I said, I'm right where I need to be and trusting that process <laughs> is is really worked for me. And and making sure that you do the right thing and going all in on quality because quality does matter. Honestly, I, you can taste it. It's something you yeah. can taste. So that's what we've done. Well, then, and, and what would what, what would be your, your dream, like five, 10 years down the one year down the road for the for the restaurant? Where, where do you see things? Going? I'm I'm scaling this. I'm scaling yeah. this. I have not quite figured out how, you know, there's obviously the franchise model. There is also, um, you know, the in and out model where like you own it and you just do all, all, you know, build them out like that. And then there's, there's also a bunch of creative models for a while. I thought I wanted to scale it with, um, an NFT and I wanted to do mm. fractionalized, um, restaurant ownership with an ESOP where it was an employee owned. So people can actually own pieces of this restaurant, this brand that I'm built. And that still might be something moving forward that we can do. You know, there's another company called Devour that we're tied into. We technically can take, take cryptocurrencies if people really wanted to. I'm all about 
understanding all the different avenues, understanding where we're going, where the future's at, you know, and, and knowing that there's the right time for everything. But understanding that knows that I don't have to do it all right now. I just need to know what's going on in those different spaces and be able to pull the trigger at the right time. So that's what I try to, to do. So the other thing is, you know, we I know that we're doing something special with our cheesesteaks. I know that it takes a lot of work to what we do. And I have uh, been talking about it with my partner and we're thinking that it might be, you know, a possibility to license either the recipe or or that and kind of get the, you know, Archie steaks into shops all, all around and scale a little bit faster while maintaining the quality and the control. Wow, that's 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 exciting. So much going on just from 2019 to now. It just seems like right light years, you know. It, it really is. But it's also light years, but also not just be, it's because of the frame of mind. Because had I still been in the mindset of resentment or I'm not where I should be or trying to get myself somewhere else instead of embracing where I was, I don't think I would have gotten there. Light years happened really quickly because of alignment. Right. No, that's true. That's true. And you have the right partner. I think you have the right. I do have the right partner. He's so, <laughs> so, so nice. He's sneaking in and trying uh -huh. not to be like he's interrupting. But this is my restaurant. We we, we we are prepping. We're getting ready. <laughs> we're, we're, well, no, I, I will let you get to that. But where's the best place for people listening to, to, to you know, obviously you're on LinkedIn, but the, the shop, yes. where's the best so, place to follow and connect? I, I try to be everywhere. So obviously me, if you're a restaurant owner or anything like that, and you want to connect with me on that level, LinkedIn, any of my social profiles, I'm on Insta, TikTok. Bomb Hoagie is also on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Behemoth Burger, I will be doing social profiles. That is just a .com. And our lasagna site is also just a .com. So basically just go to Bomb Hoagie and stay tuned because I'm actually building another site, which is our umbrella company that is housing all these brands underneath it so yeah it's it's pretty exciting to see all of this this come together and also um, I'm going to be doing um, a live on LinkedIn but you guys can always connect with us I mean even if you're a digital marketer you're a restaurant owner you're just trying to understand you know how you can help in the space or how you can be a part of this digital hospitality industry come meet us on LinkedIn live on Wednesdays at 10 and also on Clubhouse and that's at 10 o'clock on Fridays and it's digital hospitality. Look it up. I will be posting about it. And yeah, that's it. Just stay, you know, stay passionate, stay curious and ask questions and, and ask for help. And that's the only way to keep growing. Yeah, no, this has been great. I really appreciate your time today. I mean, I could talk to you forever, but I know you gotta, you gotta open up soon, but I, I, I will come out to your shop for sure. Cause now I'm, I've been watching the video behind you the whole time for an hour <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm totally coming out there. That, it's, it's all strategic. It's all, yeah. it's all programming. It's funny because we have, there's another video on this side and it's where he's actually doing other stuff and he's making potato chips. And we put oh, out this it. video of these potato chips and it's From funny because like, all right. my social, it's all my social media. Yeah. This guy comes in. And my, my girl, Jessica, she gives him a bag of potato chips and he's just sitting there and I have a ring camera in here because I couldn't co get content. So the only way I could is by putting a camera ring and I thought, okay, I'll capture something and it worked. So this guy's in here, he grabs the potato chips and he's his back is turned and the video captures him, take a bite of the potato chip and he goes, whoa, he's like, what is this? 
And Jess is like, it's just a potato chip. And he's like, whoa, just a potato chip? And he's like looking at it like EA equals MC squared. Like I was like dying laughing because I happened to check in on the shop right when it happened on the ring. And I was like, that's hilarious. And then I thought, that's content. So I posted it yeah. and it was. So yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. So you have to come out. I Definitely. promise. Let, let me know when you come out for sure. Okay, thank you again for your time today. We'll be in touch. I will see you soon. And everyone, check out Bomb Hokey, See Me Valley. And uh, thanks again for your time this morning, Virgie. Bye, guys.